Welcome to the latest edition of Lexicon with Interesting Engineering. I'm your host, Roland Ellison. This week, we spoke to the partner and co-founder of Codeword, Carl Monson. Codeword is a digital marketing agency that has recently conducted an experiment with AI interns. We caught up with Carl to find out how Ico and Aiden had performed in their first 90 days on the job. Welcome, Carl. Great to have you on the podcast uh, to tell us about your recent experiment with generative AI. Um, I just wanted to kick off by if you could give us some background on CodeWord, the type of work you do, and and some of the clients that you work with. Sure. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Uh, CodeWord, we're a mid-sized marketing agency, uh, about 100 people, mostly in the U.S., um, and most of our clients are in the tech space. So we spend a lot of time working with tech companies, engineers, developers, and helping them kind of turn very technical stories into content and social media and PR campaigns that people can understand, especially journalists can understand, but also enthusiast communities, uh, fan communities, and and other like, you know, developer audiences and more technical audiences as well. And is that mainly, it's mainly consumer or a bit of both B2B and... Uh, it's actually mostly not consumer. We do a lot of B2B stuff. We do a lot of like developer relations campaigns. Uh, we write a lot of speeches for big tech keynotes and things like that. Um, uh, the types of people that follow tech companies on Twitter and read Hacker News, that's kind of our, our sweet spot. Okay, great <laughs> stuff. And so can you tell us a little more about the generative AI experiment that you've undertaken and, and really how it came about? Yeah, sure. You remember back in November, uh, these tools were really taking off. Uh, everybody was talking about them. And there were all these kind of like deep existential conversations about how they were going to impact every different industry, really. Um, and we decided that instead of pushing back and resisting, we were going to try and embrace it and see, you know, how do these tools actually exist in a creative environment like an advertising agency? Um, can we use them? Are they a threat to our business model? Are they a threat to our employees' careers? Uh, or are these useful tools that we can, you know, if we learn how to use them, they can be a competitive differentiator for us. Um, so we went in that direction. Um, you know, the, the team was a little bit apprehensive at first, but we've had a great time with it. Um, and I think we've we've come to realize some things about the tools and, and really, you know, we see it as a, um, we see it as a positive thing, at least for right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. And why is it that you think your industry or your sector is, is particularly well suited to, to running an experiment like this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, especially with your audience where, you know, you've got engineers solving very complex challenges and probably some particularly sensitive challenges through engineering and code and developing and science. Um, we're not doing any of that. We're marketers. <laughs> right. So, you know, if we get a wrong answer from Bard or ChatGPT or something, it's like, eh, okay, like we'll rewrite it next time. Uh, that's that's not completely true. I'm being a little bit too flip with it. But, you know, there aren't lives hanging in the balance based on what we're doing with the, our generative AI tools. There are branded blog posts hanging in the balance, which is a very different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, no you know, lives we, are at stake. You know, our clients want our work to be accurate. Our audiences will certainly call us out if our work isn't accurate. Um, but I think we're well positioned to have some fun here and, and and test the limits of these tools in a way that some industries probably shouldn't. You know, you've received uh, a lot of press coverage 
about the experiment. I, I just wondered yeah. what the what the reaction has been really uh, to it from from the sector generally. It's funny. There's a lot of sort of anguish. <laughs> I think these tools are really scary for people and force them to confront a lot of questions about their careers and the spaces that they work in and their own levels of creativity, right. which has always been true of tech. You know, that was true of the industrial revolution. That was true of the Gutenberg's printing press. You know, these tech tech breakthroughs have always kind of forced human conversations. And I think we saw that with, with our news uh, cycle, we were one of the first companies to be like, hey guys, we're really gonna embrace this and experiment with it and see how it works. Yeah. Um, not a lot of companies had done that in any kind of official way like we had. Um, and so it, I think it prompted this kind of outburst of both positive, both positive responses, like good for you, this is the exact right move. And like, how could you do this? Are you gonna lay off your junior staff? What does this mean for the future of writers and designers in the world? You're killing creativity. You're killing creativity. And it's like, sure, you know, we we did have some fun with this. We kind of knew when we went into it that 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 we were wading into some choppy waters. Um, but it's been good to see the responses that I care most about are my internal team and our clients. And they've actually been quite supportive and had a lot of fun with it and are learning. So I think it's a good thing, you know. We can, we can either sit back and be behind on this stuff as other companies and organizations take the lead and learn how to do this stuff, or we can take the lead and learn how to do it and kind of control our own destiny. Um, not to get on my soapbox, but I really think for my writers and designers, um, we've got about 60 writers and designers at CodeWord. And I think for them and for their careers, look, if you're a writer in 2023, your career is already fairly precarious. Um, Mm -hmm. The opportunities are shrinking by the day for writers, whether human AI or anything else. A writer who can walk into their next job interview and say, I really know how to use these tools to work more efficiently. I'm really good at writing great generative AI prompts. I know the landscape and I'm going to do really good work for you by, you know, combining technology and my own human creativity and ingenuity. I think that that's a really great career move for them and is going to open a lot of doors for writers at a time when <laughs> writers need every open door we can get. I'm a writer myself. So um, that's why I feel quite strongly about that. I don't know. I don't, do you agree with that? Do you think that that's the right move? I think You're certainly, you know, the future of, you know, writing the right prompts and, and being able to interrogate this, this, these tools as, as best you can is definitely the future of work. Um, you know, there's a huge amount of time that you can save um, from a creative point of view, just getting a general outline of a, of a, of a of an article or, or a piece of work down, um, you know, in that sort of early brainstorming stage. Um, and I think, <clears throat> you know, particularly in your your industry, and I have some experience in, in the creative sector as well, where, you know, a lot of it for, for junior staff is Googling and and, and trying to find imagery and and, and things that, that, that actually uh, AI tools could probably do much faster and more effectively. It's an interesting one for sure. And I think, you know, stealing a march on the competition on it, is, is is the way to go do, do you know of any other creative businesses who are sort of conducting similar experiments i know some some publishers have have been running some some ai produced content yeah and that's way trickier to me than what we're doing um i think cnet which is one of the big tech publications oh your audience knows that yeah. I, CNET came out about the same week that we made our announcement it was discovered i think by futurism that 
that CNET was using generative tools without really telling anybody. Um, that to me is a very different, it, it kind of changes the nature of the publisher reader relationship in my opinion. Um, and, and then Buzzfeed committed to it as well, which I'm also much more on the fence about because Buzzfeed I think is explicitly using generative tools to replace human staff to, to churn out more content without having to hire more people, which uh, that feels quite different than what we're doing and in much more of an ethical shady area, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, the media is a business too and they're struggling uh, They're struggling to survive. So I, I guess I kind of get it. Any port in a storm, right? Uh, yeah, and I, I think, you know, as, as well, you've got that thing of, of robots writing for robots. So you've got, you know, AI writing for the search engines and it's like, right. who's actually consuming this content? We need sort of AI consumers as well, right, to give eyeballs to some of this stuff. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, there's, we got a lot of talk, um, people asking us, you know, what if a candidate wrote a cover letter using AI tools? I'd be like, great. I don't really read the cover letters that closely. <laughs> they absolutely save time on the cover letters by writing them with generative AI. That's fantastic. They should 100% do it. Um, they'll be they'll still be putting more thought into it than I am able to put into it. Um, and I, I, but on the other hand, there's things like, you know, and when you've got the generative AI tool like helping you write your emails, and someone else has a generative AI tool helping them read the emails, yeah, and like the robots are writing for the robots. Yeah, but on the other hand, like their emails, I would love to have no more emails. Wouldn't that be a great world? A world where like robots take care of our emails for us? That sounds amazing. Um, there's a labor-saving element that's definitely attractive, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. And there was a downside, but I can't remember what it was. I guess I'm a tech enthusiast right now. Okay. Well, I mean, just to talk a little bit more in detail about the experiment itself. Um, yeah. So you you. You basically had AI interns, or you, you kind of had them as part part of your teams. I think you had one on the design team and one on the on the yep. content team. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you learned through uh, the experiment, which is, I think, nearly finished now? Is it you, you've completed the ninety days yet, or nearly? It's finished. Um, we're about to go into chapter two, <laughs> phase two of the experiment. Yeah, uh, we learned a lot. I mean, one of the first things we learned is that these tools are not ready for production environments. Like, they're just not. Um, right. There are some things that they can do and save us a lot of time as creatives. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that we really can't rely on them for, which, you know, no surprises there. Um, I wish I had something earth shattering to tell, uh, <laughs> tell your listeners. But, you know, that, that's sort of where we're at with it right now. And we've been following all the all the new tools you know, we got Bard access a couple weeks ago. We've been using for the design team has been using a mix of Midjourney, Dolly Two, and Stable Diffusion. Um, we've been using a mix of Bard and ChatGPT on the language model side. I, I think a lot of the stuff that we're getting from them isn't quite usable. The two things that we have learned positively are the space is changing so fast. Like. Yeah. The three months that we've been doing this experiment have felt like three years in terms of tech innovation in the space. It's been wild to watch, um, which is another good reason for doing the experiment is like this space is changing so fast, like keeping up on these tools takes real time and intention. Um, and uh, the other thing that we learned is um, while they can't do necessarily production work, they can get us through lots of kind of creative roadblocks and hurdles. Um, 
you know, as a writer, sometimes the trickiest thing for me is staring at the white page and being like, all yeah. right, I got this thing with words. Where do I start? The generative chat tools are actually great at helping you just start, just kick this thing off. Here's some starter ideas to go with. You're going to need to do your own research, but like, you know, um, the page isn't blank anymore. And the same with the designers, you know, when we're doing like a logo exercise or a, a rebrand of a tech company, typically that kicks off with quite a long research phase where you're you're looking at the design elements of their competitors and comparing logos in the space and colors and fonts and, and creating mood boards and generative design tools can do that for you in seconds where it would take weeks um, of research to do it so you know it does provide meaningful shortcuts and those the nice thing about those shortcuts is like our human teams don't like doing that work Designers no, don't right. want to spend time doing research. They want to spend their time creating things. Um, so if you can have the robots do the research for you, it really does like shortcut quite a lot and can jumpstart your creativity at the same time. So have you found that the it's been more useful for design than than content creation? That's a good question. I guess so. Yeah, sure. Let's say yes for now. But I think the large language models are, are again, advancing super fast. Um, so I think that they've got a lot that's going to happen over the next, even in, over the next six months, there's a lot coming down the pipeline that's going to that's going to improve the space quite dramatically. Okay. And has there been anything that's really kind of surprised you about, about the output, like things that you thought maybe they wouldn't be able to do well that they have and things that you thought they definitely would be able to do well and, and, and maybe didn't? Yeah. I mean, um, two of the most time sensitive, types of creative work on the design side are hand-drawn illustrations and photo reel because if you're doing photo reel stuff like sometimes you actually have to get people in a room with a camera um, yeah. and the tools can actually replicate that fairly effectively already and they're going to get a lot better um, and then hand-drawn illustration this is ironic but for brands that want that kind of handcrafted organic feeling that takes quite a lot of manpower to do, and it's it's quite expensive, um, person yeah. power, I'd say. Um, and the tools can replicate that quite quickly and make it look good enough. Like you're not going to hang it in an art gallery, but uh, for a client presentation, like perfect. It looks great. You know, it looks like we put a lot of thought and care and, and time into this thing. Painstakingly crafted, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is sort of ironic. Like that's sort of like the last <laughs> refuge for human designers is like that handcrafted feel but the robots are quite good at doing that <laughs> and so um yeah i just wanted to ask you about your clients and how how they've <laughs> yeah. responded to the knowledge that you know you might have been using generative tools on on your work for them and, and and whether there was any kind of pushback on that or concern yeah it, and not yet um i think that there would be if we were using the tools in to overtly replace our creative teams. Our clients don't want that. Um, and, and I will say like our clients, many of them are leaders in the AI and machine learning space, like big ones, big, big ones. Um, and so, you know, they're not gonna push back on us. You know, in many cases, we're using the tools that they themselves are developing, you know? So yeah. we haven't gotten any pushback on it, but we haven't really pushed the limits of that either. And I don't think that we will. Um, we're an agency like our the product that we sell is is the time of creative teams i'm actually not looking to replace that in any meaningful way because it 
it undermines our business model and I think it undermines the work that we're doing for our clients. Um, to replace full creative teams with robots would be quite bad for us. Um, uh, it also, you know, not to get too much into the business specifics, but there's a certain competitive moat that we have by being the ones who know how to use these tools. Um, I don't want to make it too easy for our clients to just like excuse us and bring all this stuff in house. <laughs> no, right. So, so the mix of human and human and AI uh, creativity is quite important for us to get right. It's it's actually like an existential question for our business, for our whole industry, really. Well, I guess you're kind of you know helping them sort of road test them for 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 real life kind of professional yeah. work um, and, and and testing the tools. And, and our gamble is they... that if we can be really good at this, that it's going to be a, a win for us and not a loss, which I think is a pretty safe bet. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So um, now you say you, you've you've sort of completed the initial ninety day experiment. You're moving into to phase two. Um, yeah. What does phase two look like, and and is it an ongoing thing, or are you going to do another sort of time defined experiment? <laughs> um. We are, we're going to keep going with it. Um, I think we've got a bit of a fork in the road right now for where we take the team. Um, you know, our strategy team has already asked, like, can we have a design intern? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. It's like the tools are open. Just open a browser tab and boom, you've got a, you've got your own intern. Um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, our, our like kind of formal interns, Aiden and Ico, um, yeah, I mean, they've complete, complete, successfully completed an internship. You know, what do you do with people like that? You either hire them or you let them go, right? Uh, or they go on to find new opportunities. So, you know, we're, we're thinking about what it can mean to have them as uh, more permanent team members. Um, you know, they're, I think that they're also exploring other opportunities. <laughs> did they, um, did, did you conduct, what's did that? You, did you conduct like a, a performance review? We did, yeah, and we're we're gonna publish our next one in I think next week, I believe. Um, but yeah, you know that they're, they're ambitious. They got big dreams for their careers. They've <laughs> they've got a lot of dentist appointments on their calendar, which is a little suspicious. Teeth, <laughs> so I think they might be interviewing at other places. We'll see. These Gen Zs, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so. Um... So how do you see, I mean, we, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but sort of how do you see the future of, of generative AI tools in, in the creative sector? And how do you think they're going to change the way your industry works in the next sort of five, five years or so? My hope is that, my hope is that we get to a point where creatives, whether you're a designer or a writer or whatever developer, um, we just kind of always have a tab open in our browser and we know how to use it basically um even right now you know i've got what do i have open i've got chat gpt open i've got my discord my mid-journey discord channel that i turn to from time to time um and so those are just always open they're just two tabs on my browser that i've always got that i've always got open and i'm i'm still trying to figure out you know how to best use those tabs and I think we're all going to go through that over the next year. I think that's. I think this is a near-term shift. Is like that's over the next year. Um, at the same time, um, putting on my like prediction hat, mm. I think the internet's going to fill up with like a hundred x level shit, just like crap everywhere online. Um, more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. 
a flood of content the likes of which we've never seen and it's all going to be low quality and it's going to be terrible and you, you're going to know that it's coming from generative sources um and honestly i don't think it's bad i that might be an okay thing because it's going to teach us it's going to teach us that you're going to need to trust your sources of information maybe a little more responsibly which I think in the UK and the US has been a real challenge for a lot of people over the past, let's say six years. Um, so, you know, maybe the uh, the flood of shit content and, and misinformation and just absolute crap on the internet is gonna finally end this kind of age of credulity we've been in since Gutenberg invented the printing press. <laughs> and we're gonna learn, you know what? You can't trust anything you read. So you better pick your sources pretty carefully. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't know. That's like a societal level prediction. Sorry, I don't know if that's the way <laughs> you want to be. No, answer. that's that's absolutely uh, <laughs> the kind of question that we that we were driving at. And and I think you know, do you think there will be big sort of ethical questions arising for businesses using these these tools? I mean, what, is it about um, you know declaring their use on 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 content? Uh, particularly, I'm I'm thinking of publishers, but how how, yeah. how do you see the sort of path forward for? For people who are using this with sort of in a public-facing role, I don't know how I feel about that. I I think that there's get there's always technological pressure to keep innovating and to adopt new tools. There was a call maybe two weeks ago that we should have a six-month suspension of any AI research yes, with a, Elon Musk and uh, a few other signatories. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, like who's going to enforce it <laughs> like even if you do enforce it in the us that just means that some other like some other tech scene elsewhere in the world who doesn't have it is just going to pick it up and and keep moving you know push past us so i i do think that there's like real pressure to always be pushing forward and always adopt the new tools and you know in the media industry and in the tech industry and in marketing um i don't think we're going to slow down I do think that the tech companies are going to do more to integrate these tools into existing products that we use every day. And that's going to, I think, make this feel safer for people. Um, you know, when, when, when your generative design tools are in a discord and they're creating all kinds of stuff, like that's a little bit scary when mm. they're just baked to the camera on your phone, it's going to feel a lot less scary. And, and that's already been happening. You know, there's AI all around us all the time. We just, we don't always know it. Like we're talking on Google Meet right now, which has really great noise cancellation tools that are powered by machine learning. I don't know if you could hear my dog with the squeaky toy earlier, but only you know, yeah, I think I only caught one squeak, but yeah, not not uh... yeah. And if my dog barks, and if there's construction outside, and if there's birds chirping, like the AI in Google Meet is going to cancel a lot of that stuff out on its own without me ever knowing it, and without there being a big sign that's like the robots are helping you right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's much the integration. Closer. Yeah, it's it's already been happening over the past 10 years. It's probably going to speed up a little bit. And I think that the big tech companies are going to be fairly responsible about doing it in ways that don't feel threatening. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> they have such a great track record of being responsible with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> As we approach the singularity, um, just wanted to ask finally, um, where can people find out more about uh, the experiment and your findings? Like I know you, you you plan to sort of publicize some of the some of the results and some of your thinking on it. Um, yeah, I mean, if after listening to this podcast, you still want to hear more about 
code words experiment. <laughs> you can um, you can find us on LinkedIn. Um, we're on Medium. We're, Medium is where we're posting most of the results for now. And yeah, you can keep up on the experiment. We're posting LinkedIn and, and Twitter updates as well. Awesome. Anywhere marketing agencies can be found. Exactly. No, I'm sure people would love to see yeah, some examples of some of some of the outputs that you've had. That would be that would be great. Thanks very much for joining us today, Carl. While we're on the subject of AI, we recently set out our own policy for the use of generative AI on the Interesting Engineering site. We'll put a link to that article in the podcast description, along with links to the Codeword blog. This has been Lexicon with Interesting Engineering and me, your host, Roland Ellison. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, it's goodbye for now.